Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you? You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, DR Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Hello, it's your host, Dr. Morgan. Welcome if you haven't seen my new podcast studio here in my office. Uh, this episode is going to be available on YouTube as well. If you did not know, we have a YouTube channel. So go check that out. There actually is some, uh, there's some wonderful YouTube videos that are not available anywhere else. And some of them are actually experiential um, exercises. So anyways, check out the YouTube channel. It has some great resources you want to feel like you and I are hanging out one-on-one, you might want to be able to see my face and interact. So I think it's cool. Go check it out. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. I want to talk about reassurance. And the reason is I keep getting a ton of questions about it. So a while ago, I posted on Instagram and talked about how reassurance in a relationship is something that when you have a lot of it, particularly at the beginning of the relationship, it's kind of like having health insurance. You know, you 
might not need that strong, strong foundation when everything's going great in the relationship. But if conflict comes up or things arise that are difficult to navigate, you very much need that healthy foundation. And in order to create that healthy foundation, there was reassurance invested into the relationship early on. So the way I think about it is early stages of a relationship, there will be a higher need for reassurance. When that reassurance is not given or when it's not reciprocal, that is when we see relationships become turbulent or people end within three months or six months, right? So they leave the relationship. Um, But high levels of reassurance in the beginning of the relationship pave the way for secure attachment throughout the relationship. This is particularly true when you have an anxious attachment, avoidant attachment dynamic, because you already have two individuals who will trigger one another in the ways that they relate. So in that dynamic in particular, in the early stages, we're needing to be able to give one another reassurance. And we need reassurance in different things, depending on our attachment style, depending on uh, our past. So if I am avoidantly attached in the dynamic and I have an anxiously attached partner, I might need reassurance that it's going to be okay for me to hold on to my free time, my relationships with friends, my own alone time, that I'll be able to set boundaries when I need to, that I can be close to you while also being close to myself and not losing that connection with myself, right? And then if I'm anxiously attached, I'm going to need a lot of reassurance about my partner being there. I'm going to need to know that they're reliable, that if I need them, they're going to be there, right? Uh, I'm going to need to know that if conflict comes up, we can work through it. So we have people with different attachment styles. They need reassurance in different ways. But the important thing is, how can we ask for reassurance in ways that make it more likely that we can receive it? When we show up in a relationship, we want to be able to communicate in a way that our partner can hear us and that they can receive what we're saying. So, you know, in the past episodes, I've talked about protest behavior. I've talked about distancing strategies. I've talked about all of these ways of being that try to indirectly get your needs met without actually asking for what you need. And here's the thing, those ways of being come out of survival, they come out of what you learned to do in the past to get your needs met. So there's nothing wrong if you're like, if you listen to the episode and you're you're thinking, oh my gosh, I do every single one of those protest behaviors that Dr. Morgan talked about. I do not want you to beat yourself up. Okay, that's what you did at the time for survival. There's nothing wrong with that. And we want you to be able to develop healthier 
more effective ways of showing up in relationships. So I talked about protest behavior, I talked about distancing behavior, uh, what we want to be doing instead is developing ways to be fully present in the relationship and to be able to ask for what you need, right? So some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds terrifying. I don't want to do that. I've never done that before in my life. I hear you. That used to be me. To have to, uh, you know, in the past, it was very much people pleasing, go with the flow, whatever works for my partner, right? And I'm the cool girl and I don't have any needs. And after being called too much or too emotional or even unstable, right? Being called those things in the past, it felt very unsafe for me for the longest time to be able to express how I felt and express what it was that I needed. So I just want to acknowledge that if you have some resistance to this idea, if you have some fear, that's okay. We're going to work through it together. You're going to learn some things that you can do to get started to make it easier for yourself. All right. So um, the first thing I want to say is that if reassurance is hard for you, if asking for it is hard for you, it's likely that you have some unresolved experiences from childhood, as so many of us do, right? It's like majority of people, there's some unresolved things from childhood. Um, and it could be that you probably experienced a critical parent or an overly protective parent or neglectful parent, right? But your attachment figure likely was not able to show up and give you reassurance. They weren't able to be there and be reliable and comfort you when you had a bad day or remind you of how great you are when you're down on yourself. They weren't able to be that consistent, stable presence in your life. And you know, I say this on the podcast all the time. I'm going to say it again. We can know this about our parents. They were doing the best that they could. And there were ways that they failed you. They were doing the best they could. And there were ways that they failed you. Both are true, right? So you have that parent, right? That's can't really be there for you for whatever reason. And then what happens? Here's what happens. However they showed up for you is then what you learned to do for yourself. So the model that they provided you in terms of giving you reassurance is then how you learned to give yourself reassurance. So for so many people, what does this mean? This means you internalized a model of support for yourself, right? A, a reassurance model that's either totally neglectful, wants to deny, wants to numb your own experiences, pretend they're not there, or that can be very critical. So many of you that I work with, 
Um, even I have a couple male clients, my male clients, um, all of the women that I serve inside of the ESL program. So many have that negative self critical voice whenever they're struggling, whenever something challenging is coming up, the immediate reaction is to be self-critical, to dismiss it, to invalidate it. I have this term that obviously I learned in my uh, time in graduate school, I was getting my PhD, uh, chronic emotional invalidation. Many of the people who I serve in helping them with their relationships, they experience in childhood what I call chronic emotional invalidation, which means that in an ongoing way, their emotions, their experiences were invalidated. And invalidated is, you know, not seen, not heard, not understood, not validated. And then what happens is over time when it's chronic, and that's how it always is for you. You just shut off in that relationship with yourself. Either you completely ignore all of your emotions, you numb it out. This is where substance use comes from, right? Like we're constantly numbing. Um, or you just become very self-critical and incredibly judgmental. So this is so, so important to realize that if you are relating that way to yourself, if you're not able to reassure yourself and you're incredibly critical towards you, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to ask for reassurance from your partner because if you're not able to give yourself reassurance and support, there's no way that you're going to be able to ask for it or receive it from a partner. Because some of you will tell me, well, I have this great, I have this great relationship. This guy is really into me. He's, you know, telling me that he thinks I'm great. He's curious. He wants to get to know me. He's picking me up. He's planning dates. He's doing all the things. And for whatever reason, I don't trust it. I can't receive it. I'm not attracted to him. And some of you are banging your head against the wall because you're going, why am I only attracted to people who are unavailable, to people who do not give me reassurance? The reason is it does not fit your current working model of what a relationship is. It does not match your attachment style and and how you perceive another person should be in a relationship right so there's a lot there's a lot at play there but if you cannot receive reassurance from yourself you cannot receive it from another person some of the research i was looking at um when i was looking into reassurance it's really interesting to see how the relationship with parents, I'm looking at an article um, called Parental Recall Attachment Relating and Self-Attacking Self-Reassurance and the Relationship with Depression. And here's what it says. The impacts of negative parenting styles may translate into vulnerabilities to depression. 
via the way that the children, later adults, develop their self-to-self relating, example, self-critical versus self-reassuring. And there's a need for more research on the link between attachment experiences, recall of parental rejection or, or warmth, and the relationship to internal self-evaluative and affect systems in creating vulnerabilities to psychopathology. Don't you just love clinical psych articles? This is partly why (laughs) I started uh, the Dr. Morgan coaching brand is I wanted to be able to take research like this and make it accessible to everyone so that we could put it in ways that made it fun for you to learn about it and that made it really accessible to you. Because I know nobody's going to go and read this, you know, however many page article and go through all the lingo. So I want to make this accessible to you. And, And basically is what it's saying here is that that self relationship, the way that you're relating to yourself, whether you can be self-critical or self-reassuring is connected to the relationship that you had with your parent and whether or not you remember parental warmth, which would be reassurance, or parental rejecting, which is that self-critical, right? So if we have that rejecting parent that's not available or that's chronically emotionally invalidating, we are so much more likely to develop that self-critical relationship. And if we have the warmth parent that is there when you need them and predictable and reliable and stable, you're so much more likely to develop a self-reassuring relationship, right? And when we think about secure attachment, secure attachment is the stable base, the self-reassuring and being able to offer reassurance to our partner to have that emotional availability to also reassure our partner, reassure ourselves, to practice kindness to ourselves, to others, and to be stable, to be present, right? And then the interesting thing about this article is how it's connecting it to vulnerabilities to psychopathology, aka depression, anxiety. The research uh, does show that when we have um, an anxious attachment style, we have an avoidant attachment style, there is a higher correlation with mental health concerns, right? And I'm not to say that it's not to say that, oh, if you have anxious attachment, then you for sure have depression. However, there's definitely a correlation, right? Um, And I think one of the things to realize that maybe you've heard me talk about learned helplessness, but that was Martin Seligman, um, his research on depression and realizing that uh, in depression, one of the psychological frameworks that people develop is that they have no self-efficacy, that no matter what they do, they cannot have any change to their circumstances. 
Um, so learned helplessness. And if we think about anxious attachment and avoidant attachment, there's definitely some correlations there in feeling that no matter how you show up in the relationship, you're not going to be able to get what you need. So it's that real fear of fear of abandonment. I have no control over this, right? I'm going to be abandoned. Um, and we have the anxious person reacting to that in one way and the avoidant attached person reacting in a different way. So I love looking at this research and really breaking it down for you all. Um, I want to get a little bit more into reassurance. This is really interesting to me. Another, another piece here about depression, a different article uh, talking about the influence of priming attachment styles on excessive reassurance seeking and negative feedback seeking in depression. Bear with me. I promise this, this article has some gems that I'm going to share with y'all. Okay. So it's talking about excessive reassurance seeking and negative feedback seeking. Hmm. <laughs> so I want to just read to you the results. I think that's going to be most helpful. Okay. So it says controlling for symptoms of depression. Anxious attachment was positively related to excessive reassurance seeking and avoidant attachment was negatively related to excessive reassurance seeking and positively associated with negative feedback seeking. These results suggest that um, ERS and NFS, which is excessive reassurance seeking and negative feedback seeking may be a function of non-secure attachment rather than symptoms of depression. More specifically, anxiously attached individuals may attempt to reduce fears of abandonment by seeking reassurance from close others, whereas avoidantly attached individuals may strive to confirm negative perceptions of the self and relationships by seeking out unfavorable feedback from close others. Holy cow. This is everything I talk about when it comes to that anxious avoidant dynamic, right? We have the anxiously attached person who has some excessive reassurance seeking. So they're asking for reassurance a lot. And simultaneously with the avoidantly attached person who is actually seeking out the unfavorable feedback from the other person because that confirms what they believe to be true about relationships. What does that mean? What in the heck does it mean? It means the avoidantly attached person is really going to struggle to give the reassurance that the anxiously attached person needs because they're stuck with the, un the unfavorable feedback 
that's actually what they want. They, it's not that they want it, but it's what they have developed as their attachment style. It's where they're at in their relationship survival, the way they show up, right? That unfavorable feedback is what they expect. So an example of that is you have the anxiously attached person just texting, texting, texting. Where are you? Why haven't you responded? Blah, blah, blah. The avoidantly attached person could say, hey, I'm so sorry. Here's what here's what's been going on, right? But instead, if they're having that negative perception of self, that overly self-critical relationship, they're seeking out unfavorable feedback from the anxiously attached person. So they're actually waiting for you to say, well, why do you do this? And I thought you were interested and what happened, blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted to do a deep dive here to just really look at reassurance and the attachment styles and help you see how they connect. Okay, so what do we do instead? The best thing that you can do when you are moving towards secure attachment well, it's not the only thing. It's one of the best things you can do is learn how to change the relationship with yourself and learn to give yourself reassurance. So, you know, in that research, it was talking about how the uh, relationship with the parent really impacted how the person was able to speak to themselves, whether they're self-critical or self-reassuring. So this is why people talk about the uh, inner child work, why it's so important. This is why I always talk about mindfulness, self-compassion. I know so many of my clients are probably sick of me talking about it because I every time we meet, I'm saying, well, how are you speaking to yourself? How are you showing up for you? But why do I do that? It's out of love because I really want you to get that that relationship with you is the foundation for all your other relationships. So like I said, one of the best things you can do is work on how you're speaking to yourself. What I want to invite you to do is label that self-critical voice. Let's give it a name. Maybe you want to name it um, Melinda or Karen. I don't know why. Poor Karen. Karen kind of got like a bad rep right? Like all the Karens. Um, maybe you want to name it Bob or I don't know, just come up with a name that you don't like. And what I want you to do is start really noticing when that self-critical voice comes up and you can say, well, oh my gosh, there's Bob again, again. And you know what? I am going to show up as my ideal parent, as my self-compassionate self in this moment. And I am going to practice self-reassurance, right? Once you start having the capacity to do it for yourself, the beautiful thing is it's going to come so much easier to you in your relationships. So my anxiously attached people, what happens? You learn to give yourself reassurance. It moves you closer to secure attachment. Your excessive reassurance seeking goes down right? And you're able to 
ask for what you need, and you're able to get your needs met from the right person. So obviously, I help so many women inside of the program get to that place where they are changing completely how they show up in relationships because of moving to secure attachment, right? And then my avoidantly attached people, what happens when you start to learn to be more self-compassionate? This this one's really cool. I love seeing this. Is you start to lessen <laughs> start to lessen your negative self-image about yourself and about relationships. So you're improving your beliefs about relationships, you're improving your relationship model, right? So then instead of seeking out negative feedback, you develop capacity for emotional intimacy and you begin to seek out connection. Instead of seeking out negative feedback, you're seeking out connection. So that's huge. So both attachment styles, and obviously this goes for my amazing, lovely folks who also struggle with disorganized attachment, where you have that fun combination of anxious and avoidant attachment. And just depending on what's going on, you're either one, right? Um, This specifically will help anxious, avoidant, and disorganized, and even securely attached folks who may find themselves occasionally in an avoidantly attached or anxiously attached place, right? Getting this down is a complete game changer for how the relationship operates. Sometimes I wish I could like take what's going on in my brain and just like show you guys a picture of it. I need a whiteboard. I need to start drawing because what when I think about relationships, it's a living, breathing thing. It's an ecosystem. There's all these different functions. There's all, all of these processes and dynamics that are all happening. And it's the product of two people coming together and creating this dynamic, this external third dynamic. And when both people have worked on how they reassure themselves, they're going to make this ecosystem function better because reassurance is going to feel natural and accessible and just a normal part of the relationship right? So reassurance is just going to be available to both people. This was a long episode. This was a, this was a nerd out episode. And I hope that you stayed with me. And what, what I want to let you know is that there is nothing wrong with where you're at. If you heard me say that term, excessive reassurance seeking, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I thought that I would never, that I'm not too much, that if someone tells me I'm too much, tell them to go find less. You know, here's the, here's the truth. You are not too much. That label is inaccurate. It, no one is too much. What might have happened is that you have a dysregulated attachment system and the way that you're currently showing up in your relationship makes it harder for your partner to be there with you and co-create a secure attachment style, but you're not too much, right? 
All it means is that doing that work to heal the relationship with you, to be able to rewire your brain for a healthy attachment style, that, that that's really necessary for you to be able to show up and connect in a healthy way so that your partner can connect with you and that your partner feels that they're able to meet your needs. Okay. This, like I said, long episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you check out the YouTube channel. Um, there's a lot going on right now. I just want to give you some updates. One of the things that's going to happen is I um, know that on Valentine's Day, I released a special gift to you. It's my masterclass that I created. It's a, it was a private masterclass. It was invitation only. And I brought it out just for you. It is all about moving towards secure attachment. And it's giving you some really tangible steps to do that in ways to get started. So I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. You'll be able to see how to grab that embodying the securely attached woman masterclass. I definitely want you to get that. It's only going to be available for a couple more weeks. So make sure you grab it before it goes away. I know it's going away for sure by March 1st. So grab that masterclass. Um, and of course, I'm thinking of you, if it's, you know, Valentine's came and went and maybe you had a Galentine's or you had a um, girl's night or just a solo self-care night for, for you on Valentine's Day, I'm thinking of you no matter where you're at in your love journey. Um, I know that sometimes it can, it can bring up some comparisons, some feelings. So I just want you to know, I'm thinking of you. I'm wishing you the absolute best. Um, and of course, to all of you listening, I appreciate you. And you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.